Welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast with Matthew Eels. You know, I never dreamed that I could have such a beautiful girl who would sit and paint with her mother. How lucky am I? never wanted this for you. Obviously. I love you, Mum. She can recover from this. Whether she gets back all of her memory, I don't know. I thought you'd never come home to me. He's a doctor, right? He'll take care of me. I just don't want you to do something you'll regret. I want to sleep. I have nightmares. What do you say we go and get one of your favorite sweets? I won't let anything happen to you. The handyman was here today. The lady who gives me fruit. We're living in dangerous times. Nothing is safe. Well, if we don't go into the ground, where do we go? When the demons come out, they make us do things that we don't want to do. Well, it doesn't need a sibling. Who's got her mother? That's all she'll ever need. the trailer for Violet, one of three feature films Georgia Ayers joins me to discuss in this in-depth interview with the very talented actor. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. Georgia is an Australian actress from Brisbane who has gained some serious recognition recently following her impressive lead role in the supernatural horror film Godless, the Eastfield Exorcism, alongside Dan Ewing and Tim Pocock. Prior to Godless, Georgia appeared in the WA film The Crossing and recently reunited with that film's director, Stephen Mihalovic, for the surreal and unsettling psychological drama Violet. In Violet, Georgia plays a sick mother who fears unspeakable evil will soon snatch her 11-year-old daughter. With both The Crossing and Godless The Eastfield Exorcism now available to watch via different formats, a brief cinema release was recently announced for Violet here in WA via Halo Films. Screenings for other states are set to be announced early next year. In this interview, Georgia takes us back to the beginning of her career and how she got started in the industry. She also discusses being embraced by the horror community and tells us about the impact that making two psychologically demanding horror films back-to-back can have on a young actor. Anyway, enjoy. Georgia, welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. I'm thrilled to have you as a guest here. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a chat. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I've really enjoyed watching your career take off over the last uh, three or four years. Uh, the first time I saw you in a film was in Riley Sugar's Rabbits back in 2020. And um, following that, you were in The Crossing, which really made me sit up and take notice of your talents. And uh, since then, you've become quite the screen queen, making two horror films back-to-back, Violet and Godless, The Eastfield Exorcism. I know that you're in the early stages of your career, but have you been referred to as a scream queen yet by uh, anyone else? You know what? Uh, it's definitely become more of a thing recently and I didn't really know the term until someone, I think it was, I can't remember who, but they were talking about how Jamie Lee Curtis was a bit of a scream queen and they were like, you're becoming a bit of a scream queen. I was like, oh, is that what that is? 
So I, I'm definitely embracing it. Why not? Lean yes. in, I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're two quality films as well. So so that's even better to, you know, uh, label yourself as a screen queen for two really good movies. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you obviously are at the early stages of your career and you don't want to be labelled, but um, uh, but how does that sit with you to to get these labels so early in your career? I think I think it's exciting. Like I, I I'm I feel like it's a bit of a disappointment every single time I say this, but I'm not a huge horror fan. Oh. Um, I know, which is quite sad. Like I saw um the new Haunting in Venice, which is like the Agatha Christie star film, and I was jumping throughout that film, and that is definitely not a horror film by any means. So um that was a really yeah, it's quite disappointing whenever I say that, but I do like it because I really enjoy making horror and I think there's something really special about the horror community that I've found and it's really quite close-knit and I mean that can be good in some cases and also they can be very harsh on (laughs) what's horror and what's not but I embrace it all I try to at least. Yeah that's interesting what you've said just there about the horror community because you often hear it in the music industry as well with heavy metal and people often say that heavy metal uh, communities are the, the the almost the nicest and the most approachable community out of all music genres. So it's interesting to hear that you're finding that a little bit with the, the horror genre. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's something really like because Nick is a huge horror fan and like Steve is as well. And it's just really interesting seeing that community grow. And also like they they are, they definitely embrace, I feel like I've been embraced by the community, which is really nice. And I'm kind of like, maybe I will get into horror, but then I watch a horror <laughs> and I go, maybe I'll just be in the horrors. That's <laughs> now, now, when you talk about watching horror films and that you, you weren't a, a huge fan of the horror genre, is that mm-hmm. because of the scares? Is, is it, it, do you just not enjoy watching that or being frightened or, or what is it exactly? Yeah, I think it is. I think I have no problem with gore or blood or anything like that. It is the jump scares. And that's exactly what was in A Haunting in Venice. It wasn't exactly that it was a scary thing. It was the jump scares. And I just, I feel like I must be quite a nervy person. Like if someone walks around the corner, I do the whole, (gasps) oh my God. So I think it's, it's only that. Like if a film doesn't have that, like if it's a psychological horror, like a bit, um, like really makes you think. I love those kind of films. It's more, it's more the jump scares that really get me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I know that you've been a part of a few godless screenings so far, but I'm wondering, have you seen Violet yet? Have you have you seen it with an audience? I have not even seen the film just by myself yet. So um, beautiful Steve is wanting me to watch it for the first time in a cinema which is great because no doubt I will get jump scared many times throughout the film. Um, but I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really excited because I know a lot of, they had a screening in uh, WA in Perth and unfortunately I wasn't, I was at a Cinefest um, event for Sunflower, but unfortunately I did not get to see it, but that's okay. I feel like seeing it at this, um, A Night of Horror in Sydney will be a good opener to seeing it. Um, yeah, so I did speak to Stephen about watching the film and he was adamant that I watch it on the big screen in, rather than watching it at my house um, yeah. because, you know, there are some real big screen moments in this film. Um, so how do you feel about talking about a movie that you haven't actually seen yet? I think it's kind of exciting because obviously I've got my experience of filming it and what was, you know, obviously in the script and what we and what we did end up filming and to see, I guess, what didn't make the cut or maybe how he's kind of changed it. I love that whenever I, you know, you act in a film and then you wait a couple of years normally and then you actually see the film and it's quite refreshing to be like, oh, that's right. I mean, for me personally, I really quickly let it go after I've filmed something. And so then it is quite like even when I saw Godless for the first time, it was really, it was it was quite nice because I felt like I was almost going in fresh like an audience member. But I again, in talking about Violet I'm still excited to speak about it because I, I I would love to then you know make comments on it and then be absolutely wrong when I see the film so <laughs> yes. um so before we get started uh, you know talking about those two films and some of the other films that you've made I'll, I want to go back uh, to the beginning of your career for a while um uh, your bio tells us that uh, you're from Brisbane is that where you grew up is that where you were born Yes, so I grew up in a place called Samford, which is maybe 40 minutes out of the CBD, and that's like a beautiful mountains and very serene and calming, and that's where I grew up and 
and did so until I moved to Melbourne. Oh, right. Okay. So so was it a creative environment that you grew up or was, was the community a creative one? Um, I, I definitely think I was a creative child out of boredom. <laughs> um, like those places out there are very beautiful, but as a kid you go, well, there's nothing to do. I'm in the middle of nowhere. This sucks. So then you do get creative. So you do, like I definitely was that kid that was putting on shows for mum and dad. Like I was very a very serious performer back then um, at the ripe old age of four years old. Um, <laughs> but I would say it definitely was great because a lot of my friends love to be goofy and stuff like that. And as a kid, I think that was really, uh, really precious to me. Yeah. So so what inspired you to, to pursue a career in acting? Oh, it's a good question because I feel like I answer it different every single time. Yeah. But I think it kind of... I mean, obviously, when I was a kid, I really just loved performing in any way, whether, whether that was dancing or acting or, I mean, singing, even though I don't think anyone would want to hear that. Um, but then I, my mum and I used to always go to these theatre shows and it was at a theatre called La Boite in Brisbane. And uh, sometimes it would be maybe some students from in, that were in the shows or professional actors that had been doing this, you know, for 20-odd years. And I got really inspired watching that. And I think we went and saw the same show maybe four times. Wow. Just, yeah, it was, I mean, I was lucky in which like my parents were very supportive and just were like, yeah, we'll just go again and we'll go again. And I was like, oh, great. This is really fun. Um, So I would definitely be spending, instead of going out, like my Saturday nights were probably with mum going to these theatre shows. And then I feel like I got slowly introduced to film and I go, oh, you can do a bit more with film. Like you can really like blur the lines of reality and fiction. Um, and that really interested like me. And so I think, again, we just went and saw a bunch of films every weekend and every week. And it was just that kind of really inspired me. And my parents obviously just spurred me on and supported me. So I just kept kept going with that that dream I guess yeah so away from uh, film and screen were you doing any other acting roles or you know were you performing within the industry I think oh, I'm trying to, my first short film ever was actually with um Sam Lara who is from yes. oh is she from no maybe she's from Brisbane but she lived no, no, in she's from Perth yep Sam, yeah, I, know Sam Perth, yeah. I was like wait a second hold on am I yeah because I know she lived in Brisbane and her mum lived in Brisbane um but yeah my first ever short film was I think I was maybe 17 or 18 maybe 18 um and that was a great introduction because she was the best director ever um and I felt so nurtured and very inspired like I, I feel like genuinely if I had had a really horrible first experience on a short film, which I mean many people have, it probably it may have deterred me from going down that route. But um, I definitely was doing weekend classes. I used to do weekend classes, um, which was more just great to, I guess, uh, meet other like-minded people. Because as you get older, like your childhood friends, as much as you love them, sometimes they can't relate to the same things anymore because they're going off on their own career paths. Um, so that was something that I really cherished. Yeah, and for any listeners out there who are wondering what that film was called, it's uh, called Off Track. Well, that's right. Um, sorry, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sure when, uh, sorry, if that's available to watch anywhere, but I'm sure uh, you'll be able to find it. Um, yeah. So a lot of uh, younger people think that you have to be in Hollywood to make movies, uh, and I'm talking about really young people. Um, was that you or did you realise from a young age uh, how active our industry is here? I definitely didn't realise how active it was until I kind of was within that community, if that makes sense. So I feel like, yeah, obviously growing up, you kind of see the big blockbuster films and you go, well, I've got to be over there to to make it. And I think very quickly, which was lucky for me, is that I realised that a lot of stuff was happening in Australia and there was a lot of passion put into a lot of the projects. And I feel like that was something that really just excited me. And obviously I always had the thing of like, well, maybe LA is the place to be, but I am really having fun here. So why would I go over there when I'm really enjoying my time here? Yeah, um, yeah. So that was that was really nice for me. And it was also just, again, like, yeah, building that community and getting excited to work with other Australians as well. So did you study acting? Did you did you spend a lot of time studying or what, what, what was that? Um, I did a, I think my only main 
large amount of study that I did was a one-year screen course in Brisbane. And I'm, I'm not, I don't think it runs anymore, but it was just a screen course. And they would get a bunch of different teachers to come in to teach different techniques. And that only went for a year and that was maybe four days out of the week. Yes. Um, but that was really good because I feel like at that point, I didn't really have much knowledge on technique or anything yeah. like that. And But in saying that, like, I truly think sometimes not having any like not going to not having any methods and stuff isn't always the worst thing that mm -hmm. can happen do you know what I mean like sometimes the uh like oh, what am I trying to say here it's like going off your first thought sometimes can be great yes like, in yeah. my mind and so sometimes like I'm, I'm not against like studying at all and I think doing classes regularly are really important to move that muscle but I'm also under the influence that just kind of going from if you've already got quite a good instinct sometimes those things can kind of muffle that so I would really yeah I guess every every person's different and I, I I'm lucky that I don't think that did that to my acting but I definitely yes yeah, so that used to be a thing that I would be scared of. I was like oh what if what if I ever get out of act it won't happen but like it's definitely still being in touch with who you are I think is super important is what I'm trying to say yeah, yeah, and and look at the films that you've made so far and the short films that you've done. I mean, they're an acting school in themselves. You're working, uh, you're working opposite some really fantastic actors. You're working opposite, uh, you know, these great directors. I mean, what a what a school that you've had so far. Exactly, I think that's what I'm trying to say is that doing the short films and and even watching other people that are a lot more experienced. That's the school for me. That was the school for me, at least in regards of like learning from other people that's where I feel like I got a lot of my knowledge from. Yeah. Now I do want to touch on one of those short films in a moment. Um, but before I do, I just wanted to talk briefly about theatre and how that fits in for you as an actor, because, uh, you know, you did tour with a theatre company um, for yes. The Deep Freeze. Is theatre something that you'd like to continue doing throughout your career or are you done with that now or, or what? Uh, how does that fit in? I absolutely love theatre, I think, yeah. because when I first obviously was getting introduced to acting, theatre was something that I was like, this is amazing and it's so different every night and it's like seeing that show four times, there was never the same show again, do you know what I mean? It was always different and I think that was really exciting and equally terrifying and I think that's what I love about theatre is that you don't get an action and you don't get a cut. It's kind of like you go and then you stop at the end and that's it. Like you don't really get that opportunity. So I think it is great. I love theatre. And, yeah, doing the deep freeze was amazing because it was very collaborative. There was only four of us and the director that did that show um, and we took it over to Europe and to um, somewhere else. Somewhere else. Uh, and that was, that was a great experience in itself. I think theatre does like in my experience has taken up more time. So unfortunately I feel like it's like one of those things where it's like, I've got to choose theater. I've got to choose film, but I definitely love going back to theater every now and then, because I think it really, it tests me as an actor, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great answer there. Um, so describe your first audition for a film for us uh, from preparing to entering the room to the audition itself and uh, to finding out that you had got the role. Sure. So I'll use, I guess, Sam Lara's film, um, Don't Change. Oh, no, Off Track. Don't, off Track. Don't, yes. Gosh, listen to me. She would kill me. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was really fun because they'd given, obviously, one scene and it was for her um, third year, I guess, third year film. So I went to Bond University on the Gold Coast and my mum drove, drove me there, uh, which is about maybe close to a two-hour drive, I kind of was a bit like, yeah, I know my lines, I know my lines. And the scene that we did was quite a sad scene. And I just remember I was in it and I walked into the room and Sam was lovely and they had the producer there, Georgia, and I kind of do this scene. And it was a really great moment for me because it was the first time where I was in the moment, like truly in the moment. And obviously the lines were really locked into my head and it felt like, like after I'd done the audition, I had almost forgotten what had just happened, which in my mind is a really good thing because yeah. it means that I was just sitting there listening. And it was like the first time that I'd cried on camera and I'm going, oh, well, that felt a bit weird and a bit, a bit, I don't know, a bit strange to me. And I remember, you know, Sam thanked me and I walked out. And I, I, keep in mind, I'm like 17 or 18 and I go to my mum, I'm like, oh, I booked the job. I got the job. 
<laughs> and she's like, oh, oh, okay. And then I was, and then obviously the overthinking kicks in and I'm going, oh God, of course I didn't book the job. Like crying doesn't mean that you can act like I'm such an idiot. Um, and then thankfully Sam called me and go, yep, you got the role. And I was like, oh, that would be really embarrassing because my mum would have never let me live that down. Yes. Like she would have been like, oh, yeah, remember that time that you were like certain you got that job and you didn't? Yeah, humble yourself, Georgia. <laughs> so yeah, what was that feeling like? Did you get a phone call or was it by email or what was I it? Did. I think I'm pretty sure I got a phone call from what I can remember and it was like Sam has just the most beautiful vibe. So she was like, yes, we want you, we love you. And I just felt immediate like rush of energy and I'm going, okay, what can I do? What can I do? When can we start? When are we filming? Are we filming tonight? We're filming tomorrow? And it's like chill yeah chill and I think that was that's a good moment that's like when you get excited instead of dread of like oh well how many hours is gonna take and blah 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 blah. like if you're excited for something no matter how long it'll take you I think that's a good sign yes and and as an actor I guess uh, once you actually step onto a film set you learn very quickly that this whole process isn't just about you the actor there's a there's a lot of other people involved Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Boy, do you get humbled quickly. You're like, yes. Oh, no, no, no. Like I think we did one day because it was, obviously it's a student film, so there's no real set hours, no. do you know what I mean? And I think we did something like a 19 or 20-hour day and I was starting to feel tired, which is fair enough. Yeah. And I realised that the crew had to pack down after I left mm. and I was like, no, they, they are the real heroes because yeah. they were here earlier than me and they're here later than me. And all I've got to do is step out and do my thing and then, yeah. you know, go back to my mark and that's it. Like just just take it one step at a time and really be grateful for these other people that are making you look so great. Yeah, and there, there is a lot of waiting around on film sets as well for actors as scenes are reset and things like that. And those people don't stop. They're the ones who are continuously moving and, and making things happen. Exactly um, right. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, I don't want to get into that too much. But um, <laughs> uh, so you had done a, a few short films prior, or maybe it was just the one. But uh, tell us about the Doctor Blake mysteries. Uh, was that the biggest thing that you had been a part of up until that point? Absolutely. So I had moved to Melbourne that year, um, and I remember I was working at a in a cafe in Melbourne, and it was like in the middle of the day that this audition was, and so I remember I had to ask my manager I was like I need to go to this audition and then I'll come straight back after so I went like I'd worked the morning I chucked on my outfit I um I got on the tram and I got there and then I did the audition and then I came back to work and I was like oh that's a bit of a weird day but that's okay whatever and then I remember getting the phone call being like oh they you know they they want you on the show and I was really like oh me are you sure like I feel like I was a sweaty mess but that's okay like <laughs> absolutely like I was I was ecstatic um and that was definitely the biggest budget like arriving there and seeing like catering and costume trucks and just it was so it was such a big of a production and I think by then they'd done a fair few seasons as well so everyone was just in their element it was like clockwork like everything was just going according to plan and I was like oh this is this is the you know a pretty big deal and I just remember being like, well, I better be on my A game because this will be really embarrassing if I'm not. Um, but luckily it was a really, it was quite a good experience and it, it got me excited to do more bigger budget things, I guess. Yeah. Was there anything uh, in particular that you noticed at that time uh, that, that was fresh to you that, you, that you were learning while you were working on that? I think how uh, the, the biggest shock to me was, I guess, the blocking of things. Like there was this one... Um, because I, I didn't really understand it until then because obviously with student films or even smaller budget short films, you kind of just work on the spot and you've got shots and stuff like that, but there's nothing really crazy going on there. Whereas there was a scene where we were shooting down a hallway and it was, it was a tracking shot and so everything had to be so perfectly timed whilst talking, whilst making sure that you're not blocking the other person. And I think that was the first time where I was like, oh, okay, this isn't just about acting and being in the moment. You've actually got to have another part of your mind focused on, okay, my mark is there and I can't block the camera there. And I think that was quite jarring for me in a good way because yeah. I was able to be like, okay, well, I need to adapt ASAP. Yes, yeah, very interesting. Um, so that was 2017. Uh, well, the series was released yeah. in 2017. I'm not sure if that's where you, when you shot it, but um, uh, that was a year that you had three short films uh, that, that were released. Um, but I want to ask you about one in particular, which was Don't Change. 
and uh, and you played the lead in that film, Cassie. Now, yes. there, there's either going to be a good answer to this question or, or maybe I'm reading too much into it, but um, what was interesting about Don't Change is that it's directed by Hayley Beveridge, who's quite a talented actor in her own right, um, yes. having starred in films like Rage and Catsick Blues and, and a stack of others. Um, yes. So I'm wondering if that experience uh, with acting came through in Hayley's directing and, and what that experience was like for you. Absolutely. It was a really great experience because it was quite a heavy film, um, Don't Change, and I was really excited to do it because I felt like it was the first time that I was really leaning into quite a dramatic role. Mm. And I think having someone who was also an actor directing it was so helpful because I feel like they know they know the mindset that you're in to kind of do those do particular scenes and so I think she she handled it with such grace and obviously there was a lot of vulnerability so I'd never felt like anything was rushed or um that it wasn't working and maybe maybe stuff wasn't working but at least as an actor I definitely didn't feel like that was the case so I felt it was a really yeah really nice introduction to dramatic acting and I think it was a really beautiful film and everyone on it was just so inclusive and and very warm and kind. And Hayley, yeah, was an amazing director. Oh, that's great to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad about that. Um, so uh, let's get stuck into the feature films now. Um, a few for, uh, a few short films after um, Don't Change, uh, you landed a fairly significant role in Stephen Mahalovich's uh, The Crossing, um, which was filmed here in Western Australia. Um, this film holds a special place in my heart because I got to see the film uh, really evolve and become what it eventually became. Um, I, I believe it was the film's producer, Carl, who reached out to me and asked me to watch a very early cut of the film, which sat somewhere between 2.5 and, and three hours from memory, um, oh, which is God. which is incredibly ambitious. Oh, for me. wow. It's for like a, an Oppenheimer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. For an independent feature film, it, it, it is really ambitious. Um, yes. I, I, I remember I did provide some feedback, which mostly, which was mostly about the film's duration and uh, yeah. the eventual cut of the film is, is really very, very good and if listeners haven't seen it I urge you to, to check it out and uh, most of that is because of the the performances in the film in, including yours but um, how did The Crossing come about for you all the way over here in WA? I believe it was on Star Now I'm 99% sure it definitely was that and I remember seeing it and I go oh that looks good and um, apparently, as Steve says, I actually submitted my audition late because I think the time difference, I didn't realise <laughs> the time difference. And so it was like two hours late. And he goes, well, yours was actually late. And I was like, okay, well, I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, so I submitted for that. And then I think, I don't know how long it took, maybe a week or so. It wasn't that long. It didn't feel that long anyway. And um, Steve essentially emailed me and was like, we would love to offer you the part. And I had spoken to Carl on the phone. But funnily enough, I had never spoken to Steve over the phone before wow, wow. over there, which in my mind, I'm like, I probably should have done that. Like, that's a bit silly. Like, I definitely should have contacted Steve. Um, but I'd spoken to Carl and he was so lovely and just kind of ran me through everything. And I'm sure Steve would have been busy just figuring out how to do a feature film with all these moving parts. Um, so, yeah, and then we got over there and uh, it was kind of almost, they'd already been filming, I believe, for a few weeks. Oh, okay. So everyone, it was it was kind of interesting because everyone was very close already and I was kind of coming in as like the new person and I'm like, oh, I hope everyone likes me. Um, but obviously, and I believe this is about a lot of WA people everyone was so welcoming like it was open arms it was like oh my gosh hello and I was like oh this is good this is a good first feature experience just a good experience overall yeah. um and then I finally met Steve and we just clicked it was really good like he obviously has quite a quite a sense of humor um and he's just he's good good quality fun but also quite a serious serious director when you know we call action which is not a bad thing no, no, and uh, there's a very, very valuable lesson there for for uh, you know emerging actors that there is a time difference of two hours and sometimes <laughs> three hours here in, in Western Australia. So get your additions in nice and early. So yeah. I'm wondering, yeah. um, was do you feel like you're working on a feature film set compared to working on a short film? You know what? I think that was the really nice thing about the crossing because it almost felt like we were working on a short film but we were making a feature and I mean that in the 
best way possible because we did have quite a small crew um, and it was really like everyone putting in 100% to to get the film to where it got to. Um, but I would say that was a really good thing because obviously we were running on a, you know, we had a call sheet and things like that, but we kind of had the flexibility of if we wanted to explore something we could and sometimes on the bigger budget things you don't really get that and that's okay because you understand that you know money is time all of that but I it felt very much like there was no we weren't rushing anything so it did feel almost a little bit like a short film set but I I loved it like that was really great for me. You're listening to the Cinema Australia podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at cinemaaustralia.com.au. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about The Crossing because it is a <laughs> film that has uh, come and gone. So um, I, I believe that the next, that you did shoot Violet before Godless, right, even though they're being released differently? Yes, that's yeah. correct. I right. shot Violet and then I think... I had no break between Violet and Godless. They kind of all rolled into one. Wow, wow. Uh, so <laughs> when did uh, Stephen contact you about potentially starring in Violet or, or was this something that you had to audition for again or, or were you offered the role straight away? Um, I think I did. Like Steve was great. He had me in mind, but obviously there's other people that are a part of decisions and yeah. there were investors and stuff like that. So I think I'm pretty sure I did put down a scene um, for it just to basically show that, I guess I was right for the role and thankfully they thought so too. Um, but Steve presented me the idea whilst we were in COVID lockdowns and because I lived in Melbourne, it was, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, yes, yes, get me out of here. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so Steve, obviously, like that's the great thing about Steve. It's like when he wants to make something, he will move mountains to make it. So he was really like, okay, well, the second we can kind of get you there and it was an absolute like, it was crazy trying to get me over there because obviously Melbourne or Victoria was the place that no other states were accepting because they go, no, no, we don't want you. Stay away, stay away. So I had to go and isolate in the Northern Territory for two weeks. Wow. I know, which was which was actually really beautiful. I'd never been wow. there before. Um, but it was really, yeah, so I had to go there for two weeks and then I flew from Northern Territory uh into WA and the funny thing was is that when I was leaving Melbourne we were the last flight to get in that was allowed to enter because after that they completely locked Victoria out because I think their um facilities were all full so essentially they were like we can't take any more people which I was like I was on the last flight so I meant I was like well it was meant to be it was meant to be that we're meant to do it but essentially did my quarantine and then uh I arrived in WA and then I was lucky we had a lot of rehearsal periods and I was able to meet Sam, who plays the husband in the film. And we kind of got, got to play around a bit before we actually started filming. Yeah, it must also mean a lot to you to be cast in a film in a different state like this, because you've just spoken then about those COVID challenges and isolating and things like that, uh, when it probably really at the end of the day could have been easier to hire a local actor who's right here. That, that must mean a lot to you, that Stephen it does value you as an actor. Yeah, oh, it, it meant a lot to me, absolutely. And even the whole quarantine thing, I was like, okay, you must really want me. I, <laughs> I hope I do a good job now. Um, but, yeah, I think because we'd also obviously worked together on The Crossing and Steve and I kind of created this shorthand of, you know, he would direct me. I could kind of pick up on his cues, which I think was really good. So I think... And I don't, I don't want to speak out of term because Steve might correct me, but I, I feel like it's because we already had that connection and this film was quite close to him that he wanted me to play that part because it was like, okay, well, I know if I get Georgia, I can, I can kind of talk to her. We already know each other. We're already friends and we can kind of just go straight into it, which I think was a positive. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I'm so glad he did hire you, by the way, because you really are terrific in the film. And, and um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't quite know what to make of the film I'd only just seen a very uh, short trailer that was released, so I didn't really know where this one was heading. Um, mm. But I really, really enjoyed it. And so you've and, seen um, it. You have yes, seen it. Yes, I have oh, seen okay, it. Okay, yes, great, yes. Great. <laughs> um, so, so I can confirm for you that it is a good film. 
amazing um, Beautiful. yes yeah and uh, everyone's good in it and um but yeah. but i am just wondering um uh you know you did speak just then about uh, having that shorthand with Stephen, which you obviously developed with the director when you worked with them a few times but well, did you read the full script and say yes based on the character and the story or, or was it a matter of saying yes because you enjoyed working with Stephen? It was a bit of both. I think I really liked I really liked the script of Violet because, um, as I said, I, I'm not a really huge horror fan, but I felt like this wasn't really like a horror for the sake no, of it being a horror. Right. This felt definitely more psychological, and I thought that the character was really interesting and and that there was a lot to play with there. And so, obviously, having a good script and a director that I already knew and really got along with, it was pretty hard it would be hard for me to say no and a bit silly so I definitely was very open to that yes um um and and it's with this film that the horror really does start for you as an actor because the character is just as disturbed as Lara is in Godless but maybe not uh, as physically disturbed it is more psychological like you just said um how excited were you to to lead a film as such a disturbed character Were, were you looking forward to that challenge as an actor absolutely I think like I love reading a script and going absolutely not I cannot do that and so then I'm like I have to do that (laughs) I have to do that like if it's if it's like oh beauty this would be a breeze it's like well will it like maybe you should like whenever I read a script and I read Violet and same with Godless I'm going no absolutely not I cannot do that I cannot bring what they're asking me to bring I'm like well I have to do that Mm -hmm. I have to I have to see if I can do that at least um and in saying that, though, I make that sound really easy. I was terrified of potentially letting down a film. I feel like that's just a thing that comes with being a lead because it's like everyone's like, well, hope you're good. <laughs> and you're yes. like, me too. I hope I am too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so th- that was a bit terrifying, but I guess I embraced it and I had to have a lot of trust in Steve and and thankfully I did and it worked out quite well by the sounds. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I hope it I hope it makes it a bit easier for you going forward because you really are very good in both of these films. So I hope that you can embrace that and and take (laughs) that into your next films as well. Thank you. Um, So tell our listeners a bit about Sonia in uh, in Violet. Tell tell us a bit about this character. So she's, uh, I would say she's a struggling parent. She really has a hard time going through life. She's, she's also unsure of what's real and, and what's not. And I think, for anyone that would be extremely terrifying um which is also what I really liked about it is that I think if anyone had particular visions or thought that they were seeing things that would be terrifying um and I think it kind of explores the relationship and the and the grief of what she goes through and how she processes that and I find that's a really interesting part of the film there's obviously very there's extreme stuff that happens in it but it's her processing everything just really, really grabbed me when I read the script. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic way of uh, describing Sonia. Um, and the film is a visual experience for the viewer. It, it does rely heavily on its visuals to explore its narrative. Did that come through throughout the making of the film? I mean, it, you know, you're not seeing what the audience eventually sees through you special effects and things like that. So I'm wondering how that that experience was for you as an actor. Did you have to rely more on your imagination to fill in the gaps while shooting? Yeah, I think we definitely tried to do a lot of things practical, which I think was great because, I mean, obviously you always want to try to do as much practical as you can. Um, So I think that was really good. And obviously Steve had really gone through the script with me and his vision. So I feel like I could see it quite clearly. Um, There was a bit of, you know, imagination that had to happen, but I don't think, uh, like, I, I quite enjoyed that because, yeah, as I said, Steve did, did really give me that vision already so I, I felt like I was already seeing it through the lens of his eyes which was good yes, yes. now um, there there is a very big twist at the end of Violet and you you uh, as we know now you haven't seen the film but uh, <laughs> the twist is quite an impressive one actually that really dives deep into the psychology of your character what was that twist well known to everyone on set at the time or or is it a revelation that came later I'm very curious about that I believe, and my memory is terrible sometimes, but I believe that we, it was kind of, it definitely changed a little bit from the original script. Right, right. Um, and that was a really great collaborative effort of a lot of people. Um, and I think, I think obviously, yes, there is a twist. And I loved the way that we ended up ending the film um, because it kind of even caught me by surprise. And when we're trying to explain it, 
like I remember Steve being like, no, but what about this? And I'm going, wait, what? Like, huh? I don't get what you mean. And then, uh, yes, I really, I did love it. And I think it was different to the original script, but how we, like what ended up happening in the end, I think was for the best. Yeah, fantastic twist. And the more I think about it now, yeah, it it works so well. And it's actually... I'm not, I won't say it actually. I'm not going to say what this <laughs> But um, uh, so let's move on to Godless now. Um, I, as we spoke about off air then, uh, I met you in person uh, very briefly down at Sydney Fest Oz recently. And uh, you, you seem like a lovely person with a bright aura about them. But um, how was it to make two films in a row uh, which are quite demanding mentally? Do, do you find it easy enough to switch in and out of character or do these characters linger with you? I'm lucky in the sense that I I have found it quite easy so far with those two films, quite easy to switch in and out of it. Um, I think because they are quite detached from me as a person. Um, And also I was in saying that though, it's like, as I said, I did, I did do Violet and then Godless back to back. Like I think I landed in Melbourne and then the next day I had a rehearsal for Godless and I was having a moment of, I genuinely don't think I have anything left in the tank. Like I was very, very worried because I'm going, well, we've been shooting, like, because we shot Violet for quite some time. We had a few, like a lot of rehearsals. And I think I got over there in in August maybe. And then I didn't leave until November. Um, So it was was a long time that I was in WA. And then I remember kind of, I got the script maybe like the full script of Godless two weeks before, I guess, doing the film, two weeks before getting back into Melbourne actually. Wow. Um, and Nick, like the director was so great, but obviously I was like, oh, I don't want him to think that I can't do it. And so I remember the rehearsal that we had the day after I landed, it was just not, it was nowhere near what, like the expectation that I had on myself. And I mean, I'm putting words in Nick's mouth, but I feel like he was like, "Uh oh, are we going to struggle with this? (laughs) And in my mind, I'm going, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like everything's fine. And then I think I had maybe two days off or three days off and that was all I needed to just kind of, I think, relax my body just to be like, okay, we're not in fight or flight. Let's just chill. Um, And then that kind of was a good foundation for going into rehearsals with um, Dan and Tim, the co-stars. Yeah, that that's very, what a great story that that is for you to share that. That's, that's very insightful actually. Yeah. I think I, I feel like burnout is such a thing in this industry as well, especially, I mean, for a lot of people in the industry, but for actors, because you don't know when your next job is going to be. So you're kind of like, well, I'll say yes to everything. And then you're kind of close to burnout and you're going, Oh God, have I committed to too much? And you can't, it's this weird juggling act of trying to do as much as you can, but also taking care of your mental health and your physical health. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Godless is extremely, uh, well, I assume it was an extremely physically demanding role for you considering what we actually see on screen, um, especially the third act of this film. Um, it, it's already one of my favourite films of the year so far. Um, you know, it, it's a brutal film, uh, mm. which I imagine demanded a lot of yourself, uh, Dan Ewing and Tim Pocock, who you just spoke about there. Uh, tell us some of the more physical uh, demanding scenes that you were a part of and and what was expected of you as an actor during that time? Yeah, so I think, I mean, a lot of it kind of takes place in that shed and yeah. we were filming quite close to summer, so it did get quite hot in there, although it was one of those funny things where I was freezing because I was getting water thrown on me and and lots of fun stuff like that and everyone else is sweating it out and going, well, I'm really cold, so... <laughs> I was like, I'm confused what's happening right now. Um, But I would say definitely a lot of the shed stuff was probably the most mentally draining, I would say. Um, And then we had a lot of uh, like running scenes and stuff like that. Obviously it was really like production did so well and kind of, you know, made it the best possible experience for myself, which was really good. Um, I definitely tried to do a few stunts by myself, which let's just say, I need to improve on that and I should just really let other people do certain things. <laughs> but it's stuff that you want to explore, so that's fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would say it definitely was quite physically demanding, but the the way that the schedule kind of ran ran throughout the whole entire filming process was really in favour of, like, people kind of knew, all right, so if we've got this running scene at, you know, 1am in the morning, then maybe 
we should give Georgia a break the next day, which it doesn't always happen because you just know that that's how the the film industry rolls. But I was lucky that I felt very um, cared for with a lot of those things, which was great. Oh, wonderful. That's great to hear. And uh, you spoke just then about the stunts. Uh, I I do remember somewhere reading Nick say that you chose not to use a stunt person. Um, how (laughs) How much of it is you versus a stunt person? Um, well, I would say there's just really one scene and it was me, uh, like falling off the chair. Um, and I was like, I can do that. No worries. And I did do it and I was fine. I walked away just fine, but I definitely was like, I probably should have, I don't know, maybe taken some more time time or thought about that more. Why? Um, In, In what way? What was it? In the sense of like, I definitely was just a bit sore. Okay, like, right. nothing bad, but then obviously yeah. when we had the running scenes, I was like, oh, I probably <laughs> shouldn't have, you know, do you know what I mean? But you're just so eager. Like, mm. people talk about things and you're like, yeah, let's do it. Like, I can do that. That's fine. That's easy. And then you're going, okay, maybe maybe this is why there's professionals that kind of train in this stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, and I imagine that one of the more challenging scenes to shoot for you may have been being covered in dance snot for a large portion of the shoot yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely it is a very impressive strand of snot that Dan managed to uh, build up there yeah yeah that was a really fun day because I feel like I had Tim yelling at me and I had spit flying at me and then Dan snot on me and I'm going oh this is beautiful this was not in my contract (laughs) (laughs) um uh, two magnificent actors to to share the screen with as well Uh, we should just say you know we, we laugh about it but the yes. performances in that final act, uh, that they, they are truly, truly world-class. You all do mm-hmm. so well there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, as well as being, you know, a physically demanding, demanding film, I'm wondering if um, if it's the biggest film set that you've been on so far and, and what that experience was like for you from an educational point of view at this point of your career. Yeah, I mean, definitely the biggest feature film set. I, I think, I mean, it was kind of on par with Dr. Blake in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um but it was the biggest, yeah, I would say the biggest film set and also something that I was leading. So it felt, it was really exciting but quite daunting at the same time because you're going, oh, okay, this is actually legit, you know what I mean? <laughs> Not that others aren't, but you just feel like there's a lot more moving parts to it and there's a lot, you just feel the pressure of like, okay, well, I've just got to do my job because everyone's doing theirs. Yes. Um, and then as we said before, like having Dan and Tim who were well-versed in the acting world. Yeah. Um, it was again I was just still learning so much from them and I think even Nick says it as well it's like he learned a lot from them as well just in regards to like how a big set runs because obviously like Nick brought on a beautiful crew that he knew majority of them Um, but obviously there are some things that you just don't know that are meant to a kind of like a, a courtesy thing on set whether that's making sure that it's it's quiet if someone's going through like a really difficult scene or um just things like like little things like that that I think both Nick and I learned because yeah. obviously like we've been on other sets that are quite big but nothing that's I guess centered around us like Nick directing it and myself leading it so it was a really good learning process for both of us I would say yeah yeah and you're right there Dan and Tim have worked on some huge films in this mm-hmm. country uh, before um yeah so I imagine it was quite educational for both yourself and Nick as you've just said there um and you know you are a young actor you are you know, at the early beginnings of your career, but does it make you hungry to want to work on those bigger films now rather than the independent films, knowing very well that you would never turn down an indie film if it was, you know, if it, if it was a great story and a great character there, but, but does it make you hungry to want to make these bigger movies? Absolutely. I think the one thing that I learned um, with Godless, like we say, that was a bigger budget film, but it definitely was made on a lot of love and passion yeah. And, yeah. and it went through a lot mm. of hardship. Um And I think that I really appreciate. So I think it's like working on bigger film sets where that isn't such a worry. And I'm sure even the big film sets have worries like that all the time. But I think that would be really uh, an amazing experience and quite, again, I feel like I would just learn more and I would just level up. So I definitely would love would love to do that but there is something really special about indie films where a lot of them are just made out of love and the only reason that they get done is because people really believe in it so I do love that but I would love obviously um, there's so many amazing you know streaming shows at the moment and um, also some other indie films that have just 
popped off online or that that I'm just finding now, which I think are really exciting. But yes, definitely would love to to do more, see more of the world, just I guess embrace embrace the industry as a whole internationally. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I've got two uh, quick questions here for you before we wrap this up. But um, I, I have learned over the years that it's not always polite to ask a creative what they're working on next because it can be a tough question for some people, especially if they have nothing lined up. But I'm going to ask you the question anyway because it's mostly out of my own personal excitement to hear um, <laughs> that we can expect a new Georgia Airs film sometime soon. But uh, are you working on, on anything else at the moment or have anything coming up? Definitely. Um, there's, yeah, there's a couple of things. I literally cannot say yes. anything yeah. about it um, that are in the in the pipeline, which I love that people say that <laughs> and they hate it as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, very exciting things, obviously, just don't want to say it because you never know. I feel like no, until, that's right. That's until right. Until you're yeah. on set, anything could happen. Do you know yes, what I mean? Yes, so, right. but yes, very exciting, and it def- definitely does make me hungry for more and just to kind of work with more different people. Obviously, like Nick and Steve, I love them a lot, and I think Nick's you know constantly looking for scripts for us to work on, which I love because any oh, excuse to work with them. Um, yes. But yes, it's very exciting, and obviously just. Just excited to what comes next, really. Yes. Uh, one final question here, which I ask all guests of the Cinema Australia podcast uh, at, at the end of the episode. Have you seen an Australian film lately that's really stood out for you um, that you've really enjoyed? Ooh, I think, well, it's definitely, I saw, um, was it Run, Rabbit, Run? It's oh, yeah. yeah. That's yep. an Australian film, is it? Yes, not? it is. It yeah. is, yes. Um, I saw that recently and it's kind of me trying to get into the bit more of the horror like genre. And I think that's more psychological, but I actually really liked that. There was a few jump scares in there that I think some horror fans go, whatever. But for me, it was huge. Um, And I really loved that film. Obviously, that would have been quite a bigger budget film. But funnily enough, the director of that, I think her name's Dana Reed. Yes. Did my Dr. Blake episode. So oh, I remember Are you there. joking? That's fantastic. Wow. I was like, what a weird small world yes, this is. Like, yes. what are the odds? Yes. Um, and I didn't know that going into it. And so I remember watching it and I was like, this is really cool. And it really inspired me because it's obviously very female driven, like female yeah. director, female lead. Um, and it was, I, I really loved that film. And it also showcased Australia really beautifully. Yes. I thought that it wasn't like Australiana like, you know, the cowboy hats and stuff like that. Like it was really, I don't know, it was really stunning to me and the cinematography was amazing. So I would say that's probably, it's probably not even the last, oh, no, the last Australian feature I would have seen would have, apart from Sunflower and Godless would have been Bird Eater, which I loved. Oh, terrific. Another fantastic oh, one. Yes. So good. So good. <laughs> Um, well, you've you've mentioned two incredible Australian films there, and uh, actually, no one has said um, "Run Rabbit Run" this year on the podcast. So I'm glad that it's finally got a mention there. That's, that's fantastic, um, Georgia. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and uh, and speaking to you about your career. As I've said a few times now, I'm I'm always looking forward to what you have coming up next, and I can't wait to to watch your career grow even more over the next few years. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. So thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was good to chat. Thanks for listening. Find all the latest Australian film news at cinemaaustralia.com.au. You can follow Cinema Australia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok.